Welcome to Venus and Chiron. My name is Brianne and I'm your host. Today I have with me the wonderful and magical Dev. So Dev is a very magical friend of mine. Um, we are both Aquarius moons and I think we bonded over that pretty much instantly. We've also had a lot of like, our relationship has been fascinating in that one of those friendships where it just keeps being like, me too, me too. Like we have all these interesting things in common. Um, just like fundamental things, which is really cool and special. I'll give an intro to Dev and then I'm going to let you introduce yourself because I'm sure you can do it better than me. But from the Dev I know at this moment in time in our friendship, Dev is an incredible poet and artist and uh, philosopher. <laughs> You're the philosophical type anyways. And just a... You know, you're just so sweet. <laughs> and so fun and magical. And um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. It's weird introducing well, a human. That yeah. was so sweet. Yeah. Um, what would you like the world to know about you? It's a big question. Um, <laughs> my philosopher side wants to go really deep with that. But um, I guess right now I would like to be seen as an artist. Mm-hmm. And... A poet mm-hmm. and a spiritual seeker and explorer and adventurer and dancer. Yeah. yeah. I think that's how I, I think that encapsulates you really nicely. Yeah. yeah. I really like that. So I've had so many amazing conversations with Dev and yeah. wanted her on the podcast after one of our first hours and hours of non-stop talking about all of the spiritual shit and all of the magical shit and so we had some plans for today and then they fell through and we were like oh maybe we'll do a podcast episode and we couldn't decide what we wanted to talk about and my guide suggested I have a written deck that I've like made kind of like an oracle deck with like written words and my guide suggested that we each pull a card, not look at it, and then while recording, look at it, and then that'll be what we talk about. So you, listener, have seen the title, so you know what this is about, but we don't know what this episode's about yet. It is as yet still a mystery. <laughs> yeah, so should we do it one at a time? Should we do it together? Let's do it together. Okay, one, two, three. What does yours say? A belief is holding you back. Mine is death. I like that combo. That's really interesting. Also, these colors are nice for me, and they match the crystal I pulled out. It's really interesting because when we were walking here Mm -hmm. and sort of brainstorming about what we wanted to talk about, death came up. Mm -hmm. It did. It really wanted to be talked about. And it's here. Yeah, here in every moment. I really like that it's a belief is holding you back and death because... Mm -hmm. When it comes to death, obviously there is the the kind of grand death of, like, leaving the physical plane. But then there is also the death of um, every time you let go of a belief and shed a layer of yourself. Like, those are all deaths. Like, I think we've had this conversation of, like, um, you know, you die a thousand times, yeah. more than that, in in your life before you die. Like, I feel like I've seen that being spoken about by spiritual folk this idea of life is just a preparation for death mm-hmm. and the more you can surrender into I guess like the death of all of the different versions of you that are no longer serving you and that you know you need to let go of prepared you'll be for that kind of 
It's so um, it's so interesting. <laughs> One of my favorite podcasters, Joshua Shray, he has an episode that he talks about death, and he talks about how in many like ritual and animistic cultures, death is like the signifying factor of life, and mm. and such an, an an aspect of spiritual practice is to meet death in a certain way and to be almost not necessarily ready for it but that you're not afraid and that you're not having this sense of resistance to it that you've practiced for it Mm -hmm. and that you've you've meditated on it and you've lived in such a way that you're not avoiding it or running for it from it Mm -hmm. rather and so it's interesting what you say about the shedding Mm because I think that is part of the process of being ready is to shed all the like various attachments that you have to maybe material possessions and to ideas that you have of yourself or things that you are attached to being or Mm -hmm. to to wanting and ultimately we take none of that with us we take no material things with us we don't take our identities what we wear or how we are necessarily with us yeah and even take our skin yeah we don't take that we don't it's so stripped away it's so stripped down all the layers of the onion have been peeled away Mm -hmm. which is so yeah like when i think about the parts of me that have died it's like it's interesting how much we in life hold on to certain identities and certain things right like even like when you have to like if you're like moving spaces and you have to downsize I feel like sometimes it can be really difficult to just like let go of objects it's like what the fuck do I need this for this yeah. has been like sitting in a box in the garage for this amount like for the entire time I've lived here and I haven't thought about it twice but I'm not gonna throw it away like yeah. why not and then like different like aspects of self like why do I need to like why do I so strongly identify with like mm-hmm. any belief mm-hmm. does that make me who I am if that belief wasn't there, who who am I? And just that constant questioning of, like, who you are. And which is an interesting thing because I'm curious what you think about this. Like, when you were speaking about kind of, like, the shedding away and, like, the practice of, like, preparing for this death. And, like, I was just kind of, like, having an image going through my head of that, I guess, as you were speaking. And I saw, like... Um, like, in the moment that you die, you take nothing with you. And I was just kind of seeing, like, everything fall away. And it's just, like, this orb of light. And, but do you, what do you think about, like, do you take your soul? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I I definitely think that there is an element that stays. And, mm-hmm. and the other thing that I think because also reading like near-death experiences too Mm -hmm. is that there I don't think that you just have one lifetime like I do believe in like rebirth and Mm -hmm. like karma and and that and so I do think that the soul will will either you know maybe be reborn into another lifetime if that's what your soul needs for its journey or Mm -hmm. there are like other realms maybe that your soul will go to but I don't think that you take with you any sense of ego identity. So, like, even if the soul that is me right now won't necessarily remember me, unless maybe you do a past life regression. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, yeah. I may not be me again because mm-hmm. the soul I don't think is is connected to any sort of ego identity, mm-hmm. like. 
there might be like a certain color color tone or 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 a certain level of understanding that the soul has gained through mm-hmm. its karmic connections and through its rebirths but but yeah it's more it's more sort of pure light energy that's not connected to earthly labels and connotations yeah it's almost like unfathomable i can't say that word (laughs) (laughs) you did it good (laughs) yeah which is like such a funny thing to think about because it's like oh like you know i mean if it doesn't like i think it's actually like really hard to separate the ego from your essence um it's like yeah you can't put it into language necessarily to be on language yeah. yeah which is like i think you know you and i really bond over like poetry i mm-hmm. think in that way it's like capturing the essence of an experience mm-hmm. or a situation or a, a person or a, mm-hmm. a a tree or whatever mm-hmm. um but going back to what you're saying about like the yeah like the life death life cycle mm-hmm. i feel like i absolutely agree with that too and one of the ways that i see it is I mean, it's, it's perfect that it's winter right now because we're really in the, in the death cycle Mm -hmm. of, of nature, but it's, it's kind of cool if you think about say like a tree dying and that tree needs to die in order for its nutrients to be gathered up by the forest floor and regenerated brought through in like a new form. But it's like interesting if you look at it, like you look at this tree, this you know, I guess this, maybe the tree is like the ego or the, like whatever you're identifying as it's the, it's the vessel, it's the body. And that tree might have its own personality, its own thing, its own identity. And as it dies, when you think about it, like it gets reabsorbed in a lot of different ways and gets made into a lot of different things. Like a lot of different things can come from that same tree. So it's kind of like a weird, it's like, well, where did this, like, did and it gets merged with all the dirt and all that it's like you know what I mean like I think I'm like trying to get at like does it okay I would love to go into this because one of my favorite writers Sophie Strand she talks Mm -hmm. a lot about how death is the is is actually where life happens Mm -hmm. she talks a lot about like nature as a great recycler because the truth is that when my body dies it becomes home to so many other beings so many like fungi and bacteria Mm -hmm. and little organisms that will will eat the body and find nourishment there and then the bot my body will become the body of other beings Mm -hmm. and and might become a tree or might become a river and and to think about even how most of the body is water and that water will go back to the earth. And so it's so it's kind of the, the it's the opening into seeing the more fluid and interconnected nature of life because yeah. because death is only seen as death when you think about it from the ego standpoint. Because when I take the ego out of it, death is like an amazing life event yeah. where life comes from. And she uses also the metaphor of the forest floor mm-hmm. because the forest the forest is so alive and it's this like whole interconnected community of organisms, but it's also existing upon death because the forest floor is everything that has died. Death. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and actually that's that's all of life. Yeah. 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 Totally. And it's like, say we're gonna think about like my essence. Mm-hmm. I mean, something I'll do in like meditation with myself is tap into that that essence of me, that soul, and, like, feel that 
emanating through every cell in my body. And so every cell in my body is like alive. And it's interesting. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of like being present with somebody while they die, but there is like this really, at least for me, this was my experience. There's this really palpable moment of when the soul leaves the body. Like there is one moment, every cell is filled with this essence. And the next moment, the body is like earth mm-hmm. and this, th- that animating feature oh, yeah. <laughs> leaves and oh oh sorry little epiphanies okay the difference between soul and spirit mm-hmm. the difference between heaven and earth mm-hmm. i think about the uh, the soul as being connected to earth somehow and i think about the spirit as being connected to heaven i don't know that's really interesting i as you were saying that my whole my whole skin like could feel the mm. the truth of what you were saying and all my like hair started rising and like <laughs> I felt the shiver go through me which is interesting mm-hmm. this is a side tangent but mm-hmm. one of my spiritual teachers once said that you can feel the spirit through your skin because there's this moment when you're when you're a fetus where your nervous system is your skin Ooh. or somehow when the nervous system develops it, it it's in, in connection with the skin. I can't remember the details yeah. of it, but it's very true that your skin is like this amazing sensing organism. Yeah. Anyway, that's a side thing. But I, I felt like such truth in what you're saying in that when the soul leaves the body, it's palpable. Because I've heard one of my spiritual teachers also say this is that the the soul doesn't just leave and then it's gone like when you're in the room with someone who's dying the, the you can feel the soul kind of in the room mm-hmm. and it might even like linger with you in the days following that and and he talks about this as as when you're when you're close to death when when it's around you when you see it when it's when it's it's unavoidable and you can't just put it in a, in a box somewhere yeah. and not think about it, then it heightens life. Like when someone has passed, there's there's a, a realness and a rawness to like life mm. for for a few days after. And our ancestors, especially like Paleolithic ancestors and like our ancestors before the Industrial Revolution, like yeah. they didn't have a way of medicating like with painkillers or dulling the sensations around death. They didn't have like hospitals or like care homes to like shun or like injecting to. chemicals into a person's face so that they don't degrade and yeah, exactly. putting them in a coffin yeah. that like doesn't return to the earth exactly yeah. yeah they didn't have that like death was all around them people people died yeah. maybe earlier too but but people died out in the open in yeah. the elements like and it was just all around and there really wasn't any avoiding death yeah. like that was very much a part of life and now like our society we can sort of not think about it mm-hmm. we can push it to the side but the thing is is that like what you run from what you're hiding from it consumes you and and you see that a lot in our society is like the ways in which people run from death whether it be what you're saying yeah plastic surgery or like just um holding gripping to life in such a way and and also because death is like part of the life cycle the nourishment cycle too like when one is shunning and death and pushing it to the side then it becomes sort of unavoidable in other ways like capitalism Mm -hmm. is like a a way of running from death yeah like it's interesting as you're speaking it's making me think of like i know i feel like i've like done some like learnings about i guess like the death industry Mm -hmm. in north america and like 
watching YouTube videos. Like, <laughs> but it's like given me a lot of interesting, like, I, I binged one. It's like YouTube videos by this mortician. And, um, you know, she was sharing her reflections on death and the way that we try to hide the ugliness of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like with when somebody dies, like, all of the things we do to, like, try to prevent their body from decaying so we can present their body in, like, a pleasant-looking way, Mm -hmm. putting makeup on the corpse, like, all of these things because it's just too painful for us to look at death. And we just, like, we can't look at it. And, of course, we can't. It's, like, a really intense thing. And as you were saying, like, this percolates through through our life in so many ways and like coming back to these cards here like a belief is holding you back it's like you can't look at that like the the grand the that the final death in the physical plane how do you look at all the other deaths in your life like the death of all the versions of self Mm -hmm. and I wonder if this is part of why there seems to be such a I think a lot of people struggle with finding their purpose. Mm -hmm. A lot of people struggle with finding like the truth of who they are, the essence of who they are. And of course you do. Like that's like a really big journey Mm -hmm. and that's like a really hard thing and like no judgment on anybody that's struggling. I think everybody is in their own ways. And if we weren't so afraid of death, would we be more willing to shed the layers of self? I don't know. And I also want to just say as as I'm like speaking about this, I mean, death is, is traumatic death is so traumatic and watching loved ones die or just like having that experience of them dying and there's like so many fucking horrible ways that people die and like it all makes sense that it's like so hard and I think it's too bad that in the way our society has developed I think there isn't it's rare to find people that are able to be space holders for the experience of death considering the fact that, like, every single one of us will yeah, experience death. Exactly. Like, that... A couple of things were coming to mind mm-hmm. when you were saying that. I think that our society is missing, like, a ritual space yeah. to, to process grief. And because it, it is hard to look into the face of death. And we need a we need a container for that, and mm-hmm. something that a lot of a lot of ritual uh, traditional cultures had. In fact, all cultural inheritances had ritual cultures that had um, rituals around death. Like my my own tradition of Judaism had has a lot of rituals around death, mm-hmm. um, chanting, meditation, different communal coming together of of processing. So I think that's like really important because. Mm-hmm you can't like you really don't have the expectation of just like being able to look into the face of death without any kind of content absolutely yeah but but another thing that was coming together Mm -hmm. that when you were talking about that is is about um an unwillingness to sit with the ugly because i love the ugly yeah (laughs) and the rawness because because just even thinking about like putting makeup on a corpse and trying to present the body in a in a sort of like uh, life like way, mm-hmm. it's it's an unwillingness to sit with the truth because the truth is that oh, yeah. this is this is an ugly situation. 
ugly situation, but ugly not meaning that it's bad because that's that is gonna ha- that's happening to us all, and that's happening in so many moments. And one thing I really like about some of the goddess traditions in India is like that they have they don't just have the like the love and light aspects mm-hmm. of life represented in those traditions that they do also have the sort of yeah the ugly and the maybe more um not violence but chaotic forces mm-hmm. that are like the destroyer the energy yeah. Yeah. because that is very much reality of the world we're living in right and that unwillingness to sit with the ugly is sort of a denying a fundamental aspect of our existences Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's also, like, I mean, I... Fuck. Like, when you're talking about, like, denying the the ugly parts, like, something that came to mind for me was an experience I had recently where um, I was... Oh, I kind of want to say this vaguely, and I'm trying to think of how to say it real vague. I was in a situation where I was in an unfamiliar place for a few days, and around people that I was unfamiliar with that like don't know me don't know my life don't know my shit and I had like I just you know like I struggle with PTSD and I I'm also just like a very sensitive person and I really need to be able to like ebb and flow through my emotions when I need to how I need to and I have like you know like I have like my habits and my routines that I used to help me like just really digest the world because I mean this is another thing we can talk about is just like the intensity of this world when you're a really sensitive person is a lot Mm -hmm. and when I'm in you know a lot of people around me I think understand that about me and are also similar to me and so we get to like ebb and flow in the same ways and really understand each other and I feel safe and I feel good um I was in a particular situation where um nobody like none of these people knew me and I could also tell that, like, they wouldn't understand me, and they wouldn't understand that part of me, and I just, like, had this, like, intense nausea in my stomach, and it, like, would not go away, and I just, like, had it the entire time I was there, and when I sat with it, it was really, okay, not the entire time I was there, because I sat with it, but (laughs) it was this feeling of, like, oh, these quote-unquote ugly parts of me, like, these socially unacceptable parts of my being, like, I feel like I can't, like, they can't exist here. Mm. Like, it's like, if I need to cry, I don't feel like I can cry. If I need to go find some alone space and, like, hug trees or sit and meditate or whatever, I don't feel like I can do that in this space. And, like, this feeling of, like, being forced by society or by the community that you're in to not present the realness the Mm -hmm. rawness of of you Mm -hmm. and not have the yeah like the ugly parts Mm -hmm. the heavy parts the sticky parts exist in the space and so then you have to swallow it and swallow it and when you're speaking about that like when I think about death I think that's um I'm sure that's like one of the hardest things that people deal with actually no I'm not gonna say that but um I feel like a difficult aspect of death is Nobody knowing how to to hold the ugliness of it with you and how to let you have your grief whenever you need it, however you need it, like letting it be messy. Like I think there's this feeling like, fuck, like what is it? Do you get like two days off? 
If, like, you know, someone in your immediate family dies and you get two days, like, off work here, like, it's, like, it's just something, like, or maybe it's four. I don't know. But I think it's, like, a stupid number. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, and then it's, like, back at it. Mm-hmm. And even, like, I look at, like, um, like, the DSM and, like, um, when they're figuring out, like, if it's depression and, like, um, there's, like, okay, like, after what period of time after someone's died, does it count as depression or is it, like, what's the reasonable, quote-unquote, time for someone to grieve, right? Like, these ways of trying to, um, yeah, fucking put boxes around all of the ugly shit and say, this can only exist in your bedroom in private and then you gotta put on your human clothes and be a human in the world and it's, like, I mean, that's not human at all, is it? I, you know what's coming forth to say mm-hmm. from listening to you is actually the connection with that and the female experience because you're talking about how like sometimes the the unwillingness to 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 be okay with the ugly to recognize it to be okay with rawness realness like that. I feel like that's kind of a symptom of running from it because mm-hmm. it's also connected to like beauty standards in a way. One of my spiritual teachers said something like this about how when you run from when you run from the crone mm-hmm. and and when you avoid that aspect of your experience then she will come and eat your face. <laughs> yeah. And it's like... Ooh, what a visual. And you see that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how, like I think all of us has seen a picture of some Hollywood person that looks like their face has been eaten. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when you run from the crone, when you run from death. Death will come and eat you because like, that's I want to be a maiden going. forever. I want to be a maiden. I want to be a maiden. That's, and that's yeah. just not... That's just not the cycle. Mm-hmm. And also, the, you know, and like, and, and the crone is beautiful and the, and the and and we have not made space for elders in our society mm-hmm. and being an elder is such a beautiful thing to be such a like a respected mm-hmm. incredible wellspring of knowledge and experience and and our society doesn't value that mm-hmm. it doesn't value the crone and has this no it values the maiden right and only that right mm-hmm. and like and has this unrealistic expectation of women to be maidens forever and mm-hmm. doesn't have doesn't have space for the fullness of the the triple goddess to have the fullness of that experience and men suffer from that too of course right Absolutely. but i can only tell in their own ways yeah yep experience but yeah and that triple about us that for anyone listening that's like the the maiden the mother and the and the crown yeah. which i think is a beautiful beautiful archetype yeah. i guess and and yeah that is that is very true is like having a visual as you were saying that of like um how the world wants us all to be the maiden and just like this visual of like being a maiden when you're a maiden, mm-hmm. being a mother, but having to look like a maiden mm-hmm. and talk like a maiden and act like a maiden, yeah. being a crone, but having to keep trying to look like a maiden, yeah. act like a maiden, talk like a maiden. Yeah. And it's like, but really, if you get into your heart, like that archetype's in you. Yeah. Like when you're like, we can tap into those archetypes whenever we want. We have access to that. But it's like, in order to access those parts, in order, for example, if we're looking at going from the maiden archetype to the mother, mm-hmm. There, there is a necessary grieving mm-hmm. that you need to go through of the maiden in order to embody the mother. Like that is the 
I, I, I almost see, oh, I don't know if this is true. I'm actually just going to say this out loud and we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm almost like seeing like that, the act of grieving mm-hmm. as like in nature, the act of decomposition mm-hmm. and what, which allows, oh, this is an interesting thought because I almost, I was tentative about saying it because thinking about like grieving a person and how, um, you wouldn't want to grieve and like be decomposing like their their spirit or their memory or whatever. But then I um, tuned into a deceased person just to like ask them about this <laughs> while I was talking. And <laughs> just did multiple planes all the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they showed me this visual of as you are, like as you grieve and as you decompose, ugh, this makes me want to cry in my heart. The, the experience of having your loved one in your life with you, the experience of your loved one being alive Mm -hmm. as you decompose that reality, Mm -hmm. that truth, that, that, that stage, I guess, of of the cycle of your relationship, um, you make room for the new cycle. And I was still seeing the spirit there. They were just showing themselves as this like glowing orb of light and this like, like still it's the same it's the same loved one, the same essence, the same whatever, but like different relationship. Mm-hmm. It's it's different. It's like it's like in the way that like the mother is not the maiden, mm-hmm. and the mother is divine and amazing in all of her own ways, mm-hmm. as is the crone. And it's like each of those are valuable, and it's like being able to like that slow because it is a slow process and like painful process of decomposing each cell of what was, Mm -hmm. whether that be a belief that you're carrying someone that's passed on or yeah, like a belief, like the identity, like the maiden, Mm -hmm. or I guess your own self as a spirit perhaps. Mm -hmm. But as you decompose each piece, that is those nutrients, that essence is being released so that it can kind of transform into something else. Mm. And that transformation is like a necessary part or just like, it's just like a beautiful part of existence. Like mm. I'm so excited that I get to age. Yeah. I'm so excited that like, I, I, I never really wanted to be a kid forever. Mm. That was never anything I ever felt. I mean, I didn't like my childhood, so that adds to it. But mm. something that I try to hold and carry with me is like really like embracing and, and loving and enjoying each age that I'm mm-hmm. at. And as I'm aging, I often think about my age. And I, every time I think about my age, it's like I feel myself decomposing mm. the age I was yesterday or the day before or the day before and being like, ah, yeah, this is, this is going on. This is how this goes. And, like, how graceful can I be with this experience? Yeah, totally. How much space can I make for what is right now? Because when you are holding on to what was, you're not fully embodying what is currently and then you miss out on what's happening currently like if women are uh, pushed and only valued when they are trying to grip to the maiden then then their experience of the mother is diminished and the mother doesn't have to just be like a physical mother mm-hmm. oh totally archetype yeah. in other ways but likewise with the crone like then you're you're not getting to fully experience that stage of your life mm-hmm. and and I think that you know the society like that we're in right now mm-hmm. in not valuing the mother and the crone 
and not valley and, and not holding space for death, not holding space for the ugly, pushing away all of these things, mm-hmm. you know, fearing all of these things. It comes back to what you're saying about then you're denying those aspects of your existence, of yeah. your reality, Oof. right? Yes. Yes, totally, totally. And it's funny, right? Because the way that, you know, these things aren't like quote unquote accepted or like whatever, and there's all this resistance. Yet, if you lean into it, mm-hmm. if you shed those fears, no one's going to accept me. I'm not going to belong. La, 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 la. I mean, an experience I've had through leaving those fears behind and stepping into what feels like a more authentic truth for me, which is that this part of me needs to die and this part needs to be born, Mm -hmm. is that I just seem to attract more people that are doing the same Mm -hmm. shit as me. And so, yeah, I feel judged and um, sometimes insecure in the communities that I used to be a part of, but those aren't my communities anymore. And I don't actually stay in those places anymore because they just don't align with me. Mm -hmm. And... I don't have a shortage of community of people that do align because they just come. You just meet them because it's, it's like when you like kind of like our connection, right? Like when you are on a certain path, when you have done certain healing, when you've done certain transformations, when you meet someone that's done the same things, you're like, Oh, (laughs) you get it. Not that many people get it. So let's, let's talk. (laughs) That, that fear of like not having people to relate to or not being Mm -hmm. understood. It's just another hint. Like it's just another hindrance Mm -hmm. to get through because the truth is that there are people that are wanting to be real and authentic and raw and and Mm -hmm. be open about these things there are and once you start thinking about them start working with them you're going to attract those like-minded people and you're not going to be alone and there is you know you know maybe we don't have mainstream rituals and space around these kind of topics but there people are coming to it and Mm -hmm. you are not alone yeah you're not so true and like another piece with all of that is like truth has an epic resonance Mm. like you can when you look at a person at least for me I feel like and of course people are multifaceted there are many different ways that people live in their truth and don't live in their truth I'm like I'm not standing here a person completely in her in her truth I have a lot of ways that I need to work on that and when I am aligned with my truth and I am speaking from my truth I personally feel a vibration through my body Mm -hmm. and I can see people perceiving that and when other people are doing the same it's like it's like the truth chills I always talk about the truth chills it's like oh that person is speaking truth like you can it's palpable it's like yeah like that realness that rawness and it's like I mean it's really difficult to to do especially like there are so many I mean if we're taking the world as a whole there are so many places so many communities so many times where it's like you know life can literally be on the line Mm -hmm. for like coming into these like authentic parts of yourself it's not like easy it's no it's not at all but um shit but what i think what's right is not always easy Mm -hmm. and i think that growth so often happens through challenge like for for me especially the 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 most growth is so aligned with the most challenge mm-hmm. and i think it's it's not, it's very understandable that like you know people do often um run to what is easy or mm-hmm. 
have a desire for what is easy. And, yeah. and what I found is that that's that's sometimes not where the truth lies. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you do want to have a certain amount of like ease and comfort and all that, but like, but in the end, we're we're going to the end of the road, and what's there is not necessarily going to be easy. Mm-hmm. And if we haven't practiced transformation and and shedding the onion and looking into the face of of truth and rawness and realness, then it's going to be a lot harder mm-hmm. if we haven't practiced that in life. Yeah. You know? And yeah. that's not easy, but I think that it's it's each and everyone's own choice how they choose to confront that, how they choose to make to embrace a, a, a well-rounded practice of mm-hmm. living. And, yeah, my, my hope is that people, people find a way to hold space with other people as well. Because it's hard to do it alone. It is. You, it's, it's almost impossible, I'd say. If not impossible. Yeah. Like, you, you need to have some, at least one other, one person. At best, a community of people that support you in these kind of more um, intense, at times, practices, right? Totally. Yeah, I 100% agree. Yeah, I feel like the comfortable piece, like, um, I think I might have said on this podcast before, it's one of my favorite analogies of the the lobster in the shell. Maybe I'll say it real quick. (laughs) I love it. I say it to everyone all the time. (laughs) The analogy or allegory, I don't know what it's called. Where the lobster is in its shell and the, I guess, trigger for the lobster to, when the, okay, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> That was me resetting in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> when the lobster is growing, the sh- eventually it becomes too tight for its shell and the lobster begins to feel uncomfortable. That feeling of discomfort is the sign for the lobster that it needs to leave its shell, cast off its shell, and make a new one. But when the lobster has to cast off its shell, it's vulnerable to the environment because the shell is its protective force. And if it comes out of its shell, it's just a soft, gushy animal that is vulnerable to predators. But if the lobster doesn't cast off its shell and cast a new one, it won't grow. And... So the catalyst for the lobster to grow is that feeling of discomfort. Mm. So if you feel that feeling of discomfort and you, you know, put on Netflix or you like take a Percocet or you like do whatever you like numb, which is okay. Also, I do shit like that all the time because different numbing strategies, like Mm -hmm. pick your poison. Um, everybody does because we live in a capitalist world and like, it's just like, you can't be doing all of this shit all the time. (laughs) It's like, I think actually part of my healing routine, like part of my self care routine is a healthy dose of numbing. To be Mm -hmm. honest, Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm like, Oh, tonight I'm going to let myself numb because that's what I fucking need. Um, and Mm -hmm. if you are numbing for a decade and you really just have done nothing but numb, then you're just paused on, on growth. Mm-hmm. And so I think finding that balance between yeah. numbing and growth in this world is really helpful. Yeah, definitely. Like, there's, you know, I was talking about this earlier, like, mm-hmm. how our society is is 
it has a substrate of trauma. Like, it has a substrate of, of anxiety and restlessness mm-hmm. that, just in the way that it's made up. Um, so it, it would be very hard to be aware and and cognizant all, all, all the time. Mm-hmm. That would, unless you're, like, a, a monk in the Himalayas. Like, it's <laughs> well, like, especially, like, you know? like, freaking, like, phone, like, yeah. phones, yeah. like, traffic lights, like, yeah, sounds so everywhere. Yeah. So much pain, yeah, so much so suffering, much so yeah. much mm-hmm. shit. Like, it's like, how yeah. can you... Yeah, it would, it would be impossible. It's a lot. And I am also someone that's very, very sensitive. And, mm. um, I and also so, am curious about if everybody is really fucking sensitive because like when I think about how much people numb because I also agree I'm very very sensitive and I I'm just keep getting more fucking sensitive the more I like heal and I'm like oh fuck how am I gonna continue to exist in this world but it's like that's why sometimes I have to numb because how do I exist in this world and and I'm curious about but sometimes when I look around at people that like don't notice any of these things and don't feel these things and don't whatever they have, like, their whole tool belt is filled with numbing strategies. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, what would happen if you stopped using those? Would you be as sensitive as me? I think that's a really interesting mm-hmm. question. Um, yeah, I, it's something I wonder about. I think it might have something to do with just people being in different places in their spiritual practice mm-hmm. and their life journey and yeah. their, in their karmic connections and Mm -hmm. synchronicities and all of that um I do think that there are there are degrees of numbing like Mm. I sometimes like I do it too of course yeah but sometimes I'm like okay so do I you know do I want to like watch YouTube or do I want to like read a book or do I want to like line shavasana or like like what what coping mechanism do I want to do right now and sometimes I start one of them I'm like no no this actually is not what I need right now like and I think a level of like a level of of just awareness of what the being needs and what the body needs like what the being in the body really needs yeah. is is really valuable and even just to get to that place like slowly mm-hmm. you know even just like doing like if you know if you have a hard time like sitting and meditating like maybe going for a walk and just like not looking at your phone and just and not being playing with music your, yeah, yeah not playing music just being with the walk being with your body or even just like sitting with someone and just being present with their energy and just really listening to them. There, you know, there are so many like small ways that might be less overwhelming than just sitting in silence with your body. Something my, my spiritual teacher also says is like, you know, a lot of the traditions that we look to that teach meditation taught meditation at a time where there was not as many distractions as there are right now. Mm-hmm. And at that time, maybe when people sat down to sit in silence, they didn't have like so much background anxiety and restlessness that totally. they had to deal with. Yeah. So maybe it's it's harder for us now. Like, mm-hmm. You know, and maybe we need like a, a practice of maybe just humming a little bit to resonate first or movement practice first or or um, some shaking, some tapping, like, you know, and and then maybe we find our way into stillness, and maybe we don't. Maybe we just have a, a movement practice for a while first. Like there's so many ways to kind of start being, start being more in tune with, with your being. Yeah. And it's it's a slow process. It's not linear. It's very mm-hmm. much 
a cycle and at sometimes it's easier sometimes it's harder and all of that is perfectly normal and okay yeah and and my heart goes out to everyone that is at least <laughs> trying a little bit you know it's it's not easy yeah no that's so true and oh yeah I love that because like as you were talking I feel like so many I, for some reason, every time you're talking tonight, I'm just having these visuals in my head. Mm. Like, it's, like, so pretty. I have, like, a whole... And that's not usually the way I see things. But, although I will say, I've been getting more visuals lately when I close my eyes, too. I don't know what that's about, maybe. Maybe I'm just becoming more clairvoyant. I'm more... I've always been primarily clairaudient, but maybe clairvoyance is wanting to be bigger in my life these days. Or maybe it's you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, the greatest. <laughs> about like what the piece you said about for example I'll just jump around here but the piece you were saying about meditation and like how like sitting and maybe that's too much for you so maybe going for a walk it was beautiful because as as like I was I was just watching the person doing that and then watching them instead go for the walk and and I was like feeling their experience and it was like uncomfortable it's kind of I had this like cool like little thought of like oh if that makes you uncomfortable then perhaps you're growing Mm -hmm. like perhaps just the process of going for that walk is growth Mm -hmm. and like I feel like that's an important thing to remember with all of this like stuff I think sometimes we can you know get fixated on like whatever gives us that dopamine hit like the big epiphanies the big like consciousness raising awareness moments the like epiphanies the synchronicities those like those kinds of things and like seeing those kinds of like kind of moments as the moments of growth but I wonder if those aren't the moments of growth those are the products of growth so if perhaps the the sitting and feeling that discomfort in your body is the moment of growth and then through doing that growth suddenly you'll like maybe in that practice or maybe it'll be a few days later you'll just get that like you know that like hi happy woo insight um and you might think that whatever you were doing to get that insight was the growth but perhaps it was like the moments before where you were uncomfortable um and I think sometimes they can go side by side but not necessarily always and the other visual I was having that I really liked when you were talking was about um the lobster again (laughs) but I was seeing the lobster growing and growing, and growing, but in its shell, so it's been growing this whole time, like, this thing within you has been growing this whole time, and so that, like, what you were saying with, like, what your teacher had told you about in meditation, like, it it might be harder to meditate now, because there's just, like, this, like, Mm -hmm. basis of, like, anxiety, and all of these things, because it's just so hard to sit Mm -hmm. with everything. Perhaps that's because you've outgrown your shell, but you've Mm -hmm. stayed in it, Mm-hmm. And now you're trying to get out of it and it hurts because you're like pulling on the frame of the shell to get out of the shell mm-hmm. to like get into that vulnerable place, which is where, I don't know, for some reason that really resonates with me is like when I think about even like my own journey and other people's journeys with like, I guess like the spiritual awakening where if you think about that lobster, when it finally gets out of that shell, mm-hmm. it's probably scraped up. It's probably exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, it's vulnerable as heck. Um, and it's expanded. Yeah. It's free. 
it's whatever. And I wonder if that's like, I don't know if you've had this experience, but in my past I've had like the experience of just like exponential spiritual growth. And then I've like been growing all the way all the time. But like there's, I remember specifically, I guess in my, I don't know if I was like 21 or something, 20 and had like done acid and Mm -hmm. had these huge realizations. And then it was just this, um, well, it was really painful. And I think I was the lobster stuck in the shell, if you will. And for like this eight month period, where I was really aware that I was a lobster stuck in a fucking shell and I like needed to get out, but I didn't know how to get out and I had no tools and I didn't know what to do. And then I met um, my friend, friend Jessica, who's been on this podcast and we just, we met and everything clicked and it was just like exponential growth. And it was like, I feel like it's like I was trying to claw my way out of that shell and then I got out of the shell, we met and then we're just these, these wounded mushy animals together alone out in this wild world where nobody <laughs> you know nobody talks about astrology and, <laughs> and then and then we grew and then we made our you know and then like I made another shell and then now I keep casting them off and whatever and so it's just never been so excruciating again it's oh I mean that's a lie it's it's been so excruciating again not in that sphere <laughs> there I'm a lobster on many on many on many levels <laughs> I, I love what you said about being too mushy animals together. So <laughs> yeah, I totally relate. Aren't we all mushy animals? We are. Um, it's interesting, too, thinking about uncomfort, yeah. like the feeling of uncomfort. I've written a couple of poems about that feeling mm-hmm. lately, and it's just something that I notice so much in in my daily life working at the cafe too and just like walking down the street how people deal with uncomfort Mm -hmm. and you can see it very clearly when you're on the bus and I never go on my phone when I'm on the bus Mm -hmm. and I instead just look at people and I just am with the experience of being on the bus but almost everyone is looking at their phone and I and I notice that too on the street sometimes people walk and they look mm-hmm. at their phone. And, and also I notice that sometimes when people walk down the street, when they pass a person, they look the other way. Mm-hmm. And and this all is kind of to do with the uncomfort of meeting someone and being with someone in a, in a space where it's not quite clear. When you're on, when you're on the bus, sometimes people do talk to each other. But but oftentimes, people's response is to look at their phone to avoid the uncomfort of, okay, I'm in this place with all these strangers, like, we're all just sitting in silence, like, it's kind of weird, and, and like... And we're all going to do things that we don't really want to do, that we don't have energy to do, and, like, I didn't eat breakfast, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to eat lunch today, because I didn't have time to pack it, because I was up late doing this, and... Yeah, like... And, like, what I've noticed, though is that that feeling of uncomfort, uncomfort is a catalyst in many situations. Like, it, you know, it's there on the bus when you look at your mm-hmm. phone. It's there on the street when you pass and when you look away. And it's and it's there, too, when you reach for your phone in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been trying to inquire into, like, the moment before I reach uh-huh. for my phone. Yeah. And usually, there's a feeling of uncomfort. There's a feeling of like wanting to run from some feeling that is there within. There, there's a feeling of of space, of mm-hmm. maybe like openness that could be scary. Like, yeah. oh, there's this spatial, spacious moment. Like, what do I do with this? Yeah. Like this not knowing. 
and it's and it's and it kind of relates back to like death because because sometimes a moment of uncomfort or stillness it's it's a it's a door that opens to something else mm-hmm. and what do you do with that spaciousness the 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 kind of habit the habitual way of being is to look away to look to the phone to for almost comfort or reassurance or numbing but what i've noticed in myself when i don't when i feel this uncomfort and i'm like oh i'm like reaching for my phone and then i don't it's actually often better it's not easier mm-hmm. but it's better in the way that it's not denying that uncomfort or that yeah. openness totally. and letting it be and like and and it also connects to the feeling of loneliness i've noticed this a lot too with myself because i have chosen a life where i i i'm not partnered i'm not in a relationship i'm not dating and i did that because i wanted to be more okay with the feeling of loneliness and like of of being with myself yeah. and so when that feeling would come up i i noticed uh, a wanting to grasp at something else uh to turn away to fill it with something else and and when that when one notices that desire to to look away from discomfort to fill it with something else it's an opportunity it's a way in absolutely absolutely i totally agree with you when you're talking about loneliness i'm like remembering times like yeah when i've had loneliness that practice i have with loneliness is to Usually I'm lonely when I'm home, so I lay on my bed. (laughs) (laughs) And I just be lonely. Mm. And I just try to feel what it feels like to be lonely. Mm. And it always takes me to the existential place Mm. of being separate. Mm. And of like this, this reality that we're in where we're playing this game where we are all separate entities and like, you know, with our egos and our like whatever. And... And I let that that grief happen because I in that in that acknowledgement it's like right I will always me Brianne the ego is just always going to be separate mm-hmm. like because that's like the human experience mm-hmm. and underneath that in the in that moment of death and that that space that we go to when we die I guess is is the the union of all things mm-hmm. the connection of all things the understanding that like we're all one and you can never be alone mm-hmm. and. I often, um, when I'm in those spaces, I always end up in, it always ends up similar where there's just like the grieving, a little bit of like the, the, the experience of separateness Mm -hmm. and then the feeling of myself connected to everything Mm -hmm. and feeling that I'm the bed and feeling that I'm the air and feeling that I'm everything and feeling and feeling and feeling it all. And just like taking that in, which is a whole other thing to take in and, Usually then I, like, end up feeling pretty okay after. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, this is, like, I want this. Like, I want to be a Brienne right now. (laughs) And I want to have this separate life. And so it comes with these feelings. And it comes with these experiences. And, okay, cool. Well, maybe I'll just enjoy my own company. (laughs) And the company of my bed. And the company of the air. And... Maybe I'll go talk to some trees. And you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. I really like what you're saying about, like, you know, that moment of, of openness where it's the silence of, of that, that feeling where it's like, oh, if 
I was to step into here, what, like, what are, like, the possibilities are endless, mm-hmm. which is terrifying, but it's beautiful. It's, yeah, totally. Yeah. I love what you said yeah. about the game of being separate. Yeah. Like, the, because it is, it's, it's sort of a play, it's sort of mm-hmm. a, you know, it's both, it's a both and situation. Yeah. It's not an either or, like, yeah. we are separate and yet we are connected. Mm-hmm. And both are true at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, and... To, to get to experience the the separateness that is is wonderful and without that we wouldn't experience the connection and totally. vice versa totally yeah. I know it's mm-hmm. such a beautiful fucking tragic experience mm-hmm. I mean that's like fucking life death life mm-hmm. in a fucking totally. in a nutshell it's just it's excruciating and it's devastating and it's glorious and it's so beautiful beautiful. and it's yeah it's it's just it's all of it Mm -hmm. um yeah I'm like noticing we're we're getting to the hour mark here so maybe we'll we'll wind it down but I kind of want to share a little story um, and then you can share whatever as well um of a mushroom trip I did Mm. (laughs) um I'll make it fast I know I'm, I'm a rambly storyteller but um I had this really interesting experience on mushrooms where I just, I was, um, I guess it might have been a bit unrelated. I was just, like, reflecting on, like, responsibility and victimhood. And when, you know, you have a responsibility to do something and, and when you're... Because, I mean, every single one of us is a victim of some sort of fucking trauma. I just don't think anybody isn't. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and we all have a responsibility to show up, to be loving, to not cause harm. Um, and how do you balance that? And so there was this exploration of that in like my family line and I was just going into everybody's pain and everybody like just feeling and like hold, trying to hold both of those things at the same time. And it was like a really beautiful experience. But at one point in the, in the journey, I went all the way back and back and back and back and back through my ancestors and all the way, way, way back. And I was, I was laying on a bed and I was looking at, at the ceiling and, but in my journey, it looked like I was looking at a night sky and I was, um, I guess, what are they called? What, like homo sapien and neanderthal like the beginning of humans right because i was trying to find the point before the trauma right and it was like when when did it all get so fucked up why are people doing these fucked up things to each other why is life so painful and i got back to that point and it was like oh right and like you know maybe this family had a baby and then it was a horrible winter and the baby died or the person was eaten by the lion or the and I was just sitting there experiencing these lives and realizing that there wasn't a moment in time when life wasn't fucking devastating when life didn't break you down to like nothingness and then you had to figure out how to rise back up and like keep fucking surviving like that is just really the nature of of the of i mean just like being alive yeah we're born we're dying yeah yeah and it's like that sucks like that sucks like i want to cry about it like of course and why not i will and i have and like (laughs) and like we live in such a fascinating way now where we don't have to like well, we experience it and we are affected by it every day, mm-hmm. yet we don't look at that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, animals look at it every day, and they have to, like, in the wild. And, like, I think a lot of people look at it every day in their own ways, but, like, it's 
it's just it's just the nature of where we're at. Mm-hmm. For some fucking reason, we came here and we wanted that. Yeah. Because there's beauty in every experience. There's so much beauty in every experience, and there's always a little bit of pain too. And I think sometimes a lot of pain, yeah. and sometimes no beauty. I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but like, yeah. I think that. Um, The it it kind of comes back to what we've been mm-hmm. discussing of that where where the challenge is like where the where the wrestling is maybe maybe that's where some of the beauty lies mm-hmm. like where where the challenge yes. is that's where the growth is where the death is that's where the life is mm-hmm. like that do du- like we the the duality and mm-hmm. it's like you know the. The light, there's with no without dark, there's no light. Like yeah, it's like, but it's, but it's fine, right? <laughs> yeah. and it's like without this devastating, this tragedy, mm-hmm. could we ever know joy? Exactly. Could we ever know love? Could we ever know pleasure? Mm-hmm. Like there needs to be that contrast point for us to have that experience. And I think that the fucking amazing thing about being a human, like why I love it so much, I'm so stoked that I'm here and I get to do all the things, and like why I feel thankful. And will literally get on my knees and, like, thank God if I'm in the mood to thank God or the universe or whoever mm-hmm. when I am in the throes of grief mm-hmm. is, re- and I don't always do that, but <laughs> sometimes I do. And when I do, it's because there's this recognition of, like, wow, how deeply I am feeling this is why when I walk down the sidewalk, I notice every little flower I notice how fucking beautiful that leaf is over there. Mm-hmm. I notice the way that strange man sitting on the corner is like a work of art. Mm-hmm. Like there's a reason I see the world in that mm-hmm. way. And it's because I sit with the pain of things. And it's like, that's cool. I'm glad about that. So, so cool. <laughs> yes. More of that. Yeah. More yeah. Of that. Okay. Any last words? Yeah, I just want to thank you so much for inviting me on here, for holding space in the beautiful way that you do, and for creating this amazing gift and offering what you offer to the world. It's such medicine. I'm so grateful for your friendship, and I'm so grateful that this is existing in the world. Yeah, Yeah. thank you, and thank you so much for being here. how can people get in touch with you if they want to? Yeah, so I write poetry right now on Medium. Mm-hmm. So my name is Dev Suchin. That's I'll put it in the show notes too. Yeah, but you can also say it. Yeah, so Dev Suchin on Medium and then Dev underscore Suchin on Instagram. And I share some of my art offerings there and also some poetry. And those are, those are the ways in which I'm being a, a magical being currently. <laughs> yes, beautiful. I love that so much. Thank you again. This has been... 